We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Where do we where do we begin? You know, we've been doing this simply Christmas series. Anybody been enjoying this concept of being able to to really reconsider some of the things we do around Christmas. I love all of Christmas. I love gathering. I love having fun. I love eggnog at small portions. <laughs> Uh, I, I love it all, but what I do know is that Christmas is more than, uh, you know, spiced eggnog. It's more than just the gifts, and we know that, but how do we have real applicable ways to make sure that we're simplifying our Christmas so that we can magnify the one it's about? That's what this, is, this series has been all about, and, and we talked about a few different illustrations on how we can overdo something some places, and we lose sight of what's most important because we've drawn our attention to something else, you know. And, and so as we wrap up our Simply Christmas this morning, it does not mean we're not going to have an amazing Eve Eve service. It means we're going to have an awesome reading of the uh, Bible. If you, how many enjoyed the choir this morning, by the way? How nice was that? And uh, not to mention the absolute amazing nature of the horns and the violin and the music that went with it. We are a blessed church. We are ble- every year people say, where did you get those people? I was like, there are people. They're part of the family. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't rent them somewhere, although you might be able to rent them for a great, great party. <laughs> but I will tell you this. As, as we continue to look at Christmas, and we're going to have an amazing Eve Eve service this Thursday night, uh, and if you enjoyed this morning, you're going to enjoy that very much so. But as I wrap up this series, it made me actually think of this thing. I, I've been involved in music for a very, very long time. I was, I was in garage bands in my first band when I was 14 years old. And, you know, we, I was slapping a bass there. And uh, there was just always music around my life. And, and I remember uh, I've been able to, to do a lot. I actually led the worship team here for over a decade or so. And um, have been able to record three CDs. One of them I was able to co-produce. I've, I've done a lot of things with music. And wh- where am I getting at this? I just kind of want to help you qualify the fact that what I'm about to say, I do understand. I didn't just pull it out of a book. But when it comes to all forms of music, whether a band or a choir or a cappella, whether an orchestra or a symphony, really any form, there's the same obstacle when presenting the song or piece. And that same obstacle, it's about the blends. There has to be a blends, and you have to have dynamics. If you have uh, failed to blend properly, it's going to sound like noise. And it doesn't matter how professional the musicians are. It doesn't matter how great they are and how gifted they are. There's got to be somebody producing a blend. Right? And so... Uh, it is about the blend and dynamics. It's the very reason why, you know, if, if you go to a concert hall or an orchestra, you go and look, there's always a different number of trumpets compared to the number of violins because you need a blend. It takes less horns to produce what the strings need to produce a blend. Are you getting this? Okay? It's, it's uh, you know, I remember in my first band, 14 years old, I was in the garage band, me and a couple of the guys, and we were working on some of our stuff, and we had like, everyone was turned up to 10. You know what I mean? We thought we were the stuff, right? You know, and everyone's like, oh, what about this sample? I'm like, this one goes to 11, right? 
And, and so we're all, and, and there's, there's drums in a garage. There's no open doors. It is absolutely insane how loud everything is. But we all were nailing our parts. Everyone was in their own solo, you know, and everyone was nailing their parts. But the thing we couldn't understand was it didn't matter how good we were. His parents would come downstairs and say, stop making all that noise. And we were like, you have no clue how good we are. <laughs> you know, we just did not understand how people could not appreciate this beautiful set that we were putting together for our first gig. Okay. But what we were missing was blend. We were missing a proper blend. And, and so as I think about this, when it's, it's time for that fabulous solo to come around, if we don't have other people creating space so that it has a place to stand up and make that solo, whether it be the trumpet or whether it be an electric guitar, when the solo comes in your favorite song, other things start to chill out so it has space to be heard. Are you getting this? So what does this have to do with Christmas? We need the silence of that holy night to allow the perfect attention to Jesus' solo. Then it will be followed by the crescendo of the heavenly hosts proclaiming glory to the newborn king. If we do not create space for Jesus in his season, then understand there's a reason why everything is muddied up and why we kind of lose the joy of Christmas. Are you getting this? So as Christmas draws nearer, can you even hear the angels on high, so to speak, during this season? Or is it drowned out and pushed off the stage by all the activities on your calendar? You know, um, many of you uh, have been involved in going through the Bible in a year with me this year, and uh, I'm on pace to finish again. I enjoy doing that. I believe getting the Word into us is key to us living the Word out, right? How can you live what's not in you, right? Um, that's why children don't listen to their parents. Their parents tell them to do what they don't do. So the parents see the, uh, the, the lack of authenticity and they do what they see, not what they're told, right? So for me, if I'm going to be a good child uh, to the father, then I'm going to understand who he is so I can be that. Yeah? And so, you know, as I think about this, as, as we draw near to Christmas, how much of God's word is getting into us? How much are we actually spending time focusing on Jesus' solo, so to speak? Right? Because you are the producer of your Christmas season. As you sit at the soundboard of your life, Perhaps it's time to mute some channels, get rid of some feedback, and be sure to balance your EQ by balancing your season's equilibrium. Is it about Jesus or is it not? <laughs> Let me remind you the, the simple nature of Christmas so you can understand the things you should turn down on your soundboard to give Jesus the solo he's due. Are you ready to read with me in Matthew 1? This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So as we read this story of Jesus' birth, let's simplify what Christmas is, and in doing so, begin to lower the noise of all else that's going on around you in this season. So to produce the perfect Christmas, we must remember these things. Number one, Christmas is about disruption. It's about disruption. Now, that doesn't sound very nice. That doesn't sound ho, ho, ho. That doesn't sound uh, peaceful. Disruption? Really? Well, if we go back to thinking about what it was like that first Christmas, I would say it's very disruptive. I would say Mary's life was disrupted. I would say Joseph's life was disrupted. I would say there was a lot of disruption. So before we just go, oh no, everything was perfect. No, it wasn't. It was far from perfect. And that's what gives me hope about God in our lives. We're far from perfect. But he's still good. He's still good to come into our imperfect world and allow his perfect nature to disrupt our imperfection so that he can bring about something more perfect within us. We need disruption in our worlds. We need disruption. Now before you call me crazy, crazy, just remember this. It said Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Okay. He put a ring on it. Okay. Things are going the way that they had planned. Okay, she's excited. She's going to get married. He's excited. He's going to have a family. Everything is going as planned. But before they came together and got down, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Disruption! That's different. That was a way for God to be like, yeah, we're going to do something different here. You know, the disruption that was caused, the, the, the disruption causing the plans of Mary and Joseph, it wasn't just a disruption for them. It was for the sake of salvation for us. We always tend to think when God does something in our world, he had us in mind only. And that's far from true. See, <laughs> you ready for this? We know that God made everything. We know that God made man and said it's not good for him to be alone. God then made woman and then man was like, whoa, man, that's where she got her name, right? And then what we do know is this. The same God that made man made woman and woman is very different from man. Have you ever had a conversation with a woman and just got lost like completely? No offense, women. Hold on. I'm just having a moment with some of these men here. Um, we was talking about ordering pizza. And now we're talking about slippers like your mother's and about needing new floors because nail. Are we ordering pizza or are we not? You lost me. 
See, why did I bring that up? Because when we think that God did something for us, he has the same spiderweb mentality as a woman does, being able to see 18 degrees further and knowing how they're going to interconnect and how that slipper actually does affect the pepperoni. (laughs) I don't get it, but God does. But when he disrupted the earth, he was thinking about more than just Mary and Joseph. He was thinking about our salvation All these years later, God's plan this Christmas is the same it was over 2,000 years ago to disrupt the world, your world, to be aware of his presence and that he has drawn near for relationship. He wants you, you know, to wake up and realize that he still wants your attention. He still wants you to have that moment where you remember you're not doing this life alone and this life is not about you alone. If Christmas can draw us closer together, not just because of the eggnog, but if it can draw us closer together to remember that the same creator of universe created that person next to me and loves them just as deeply as he loves me, then maybe I should be more focused on loving them too, regardless of differences. Christmas is about disruption. So just as Joseph had to make a decision based on God's disruption, we do too. You know, we oftentimes talk about how God, he's like a gentleman. He won't kick the door down. He'll knock, right? He'll open up doors of opportunity for you, but you have to step through them. You have to, I can only show you the door. Neo, sorry. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, it's coming back around. Full circle. Listen, God shows us the door. He looks to create disruption in our world so that we'll make a decision. Joseph had the decision to say, nah, I'm out. He had the decision to be like, no, this wasn't my plan. This isn't how it's supposed to go. He was even thinking, I will divorce her quietly so she saves face, but I've got to find the nearest exits. Oftentimes we're looking to find an exit on something that God is trying to make pivotal to change our life if we would just go through it. We're praying, God, save me from this. And he goes, oh, if you know what this will do 10 years down the road, if you would just face your giants, if you would just take the head, if you would just go after that thing that you're trying to... Oh, man. Someone just recently, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they said, we were talking about spiritual forces and how, you know, the Bible says that uh, we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. And they were referring to how heavy they felt being around somebody that they know, uh, you know, has gone a different direction, not worshiping God, worshiping other things, right? And I said, well, no, 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 you have to understand that even though that is real, it has no authority over your life unless you give it authority over your life. You have to take your authority in the heavenly realms, take your sonship or your daughtership, being an heir to God and the Christ, hello? And you have to be able to make the decision to stand against things that you just know aren't right. But here's the thing, oftentimes we're like, Lord, save me, save me. And he's like, would you stand up? Would you speak up? Would you take your authority and remind the devil where he's going? Someone always told, you know, I I go all the way back to the the 80s and 90s. There was a Christian singer called Carmen. He was radically saved. And uh, he used to always say, he, he used to always say that when the devil tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. Because the battle's already won. 
The battle's already won. And so before I get into Carmen's dance moves, I'm going to go back to my notes. So number one, Christmas is about disruption. Number two, Christmas is about miracles. Let's look at it again. The same exact scripture in verse 18. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through what? Through who? How? We don't know. <laughs> right? What I will tell you is this. It wasn't just about disruption. It was about God showing his miraculous power. It was about God saying, I, can st I still got it. Come on, you know that little dance move? I still got it. God wanted to show you he still got it. He wanted you to understand that his power is limitless, even though our understanding is limited. It's about miracles. It's hard to comprehend what we can't recreate. As humans, we struggle when we can't understand it. You know, that's why even in the technology field, no matter where you are, as soon as a new product hits the markets, everybody that sees that product as, uh, as enemy, as, you know, <laughs> as like the competitor, what do they do? They buy one and they take it apart. They take it apart to figure out how it works so that they can figure out how to produce something to compete against it right? As humans, we're always wanting to figure out the secret sauce. How is Tom Brady still doing what Tom Brady does? Does he really eat avocado toast every day? Does he really blend that weird goat juice? What is it that he does? We're trying to comprehend it so that we can feel better because we understand it. We will never understand God's goodness or his miracles, but it does not take anything away from the fact that it's happening. The amount of times we have that Thomas mentality where we won't believe unless we see. God goes, you don't get to make the rules. How often we think we deserve answers from God, who even if he told us, we wouldn't understand because our ways are so much lower than his ways. Our thinking is so much lower than his thinking. But why did God give us that in us that, that makes us want to understand? Because he wants you to be like him. He wants you to create. He wants you to have vision. He wants you to dream bigger. He wants you to write that amazing piece that's never been written. He wants you to do all these things to be like him. There's nothing better than a parent looking and seeing the good things in them in their children. The good things. So it's hard to comprehend what we can't Recreate. In the natural, it's hard to comprehend an amazing musician. Do what they do when you don't even know how to play an instrument. It seems to be a superpower, doesn't it? But it's that much more incomprehensible when only God can do what he does. When God provides miracles, we can write it off as fairy tale. But just because you can't do it doesn't mean it can't be done by the one who knows how. The reason we stand up here and we pray for people who need prayers because we don't know how to do it, but God does. And so we're going to cast our cares to him who loves us, the scripture says, right? So we're going to believe him for the very thing we don't know how to do, right? When I see Lori play the violin up here, the way she does is a miracle status in my eyes. Why? Because I can't even properly hold the bow. So when I see her play, I go, ha, ah, that's a miracle, right? So why can't the world see God's miracles in the same way since they can't hold the universe? 
Christmas is about miracles. Christmas was God showing his miraculous power, setting in motion his plan to save mankind. That's what Christmas is about. Number three, Christmas is about clarification. Christmas is about God bringing clarity through communication. For those who have studied the scripture, you realize, or maybe you don't, and I'm telling you this for the first time, but actually when you go to the very end of the Old Testament and you read the last words of Malachi, you actually will find out that God went silent from that moment on for a 400-year period. So when we talk about how amazing Christmas is, we can't fathom how amazing Christmas is other than the generation who hadn't heard from God in 400 years and God decided to start communicating and bringing clarity once again. We have to wrap our mind around these things, right? And so Christmas was about God breaking his silence and clarifying many things through his son, Jesus. Joseph was in a place of confusion, as was much the world then and as is much the world today. Joseph was trying to figure out what to do with this baby that was not his. Right? I believe when we, when we begin trying to work through our struggles about life, God will meet us there and clarify as we see the angel do to Joseph. Maybe you don't get the same angelic encounter in a dream, but you can receive the same clarification in the Spirit. Matthew 1.20 says this. It says, uh, the, the angel came to him in a dream, and it says, and do not be afraid to what? To take Mary. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, uh, it literally refers to the Lord saves. When you translate the name Jesus, it's, it's, it's tied into a Greek version of Joshua, but it's about the Lord who saves and that he will save, right? And so when you start digging into this, you understand that as, <laughs> as, uh, as Joseph was trying to figure out what he was going to do with this baby, God comes and goes, not only are you going to raise this baby, you're going to name this baby this, and this is what the baby will do. Not will this baby come about. You're going to raise him. Like, oh, me? It wasn't me. <laughs> but yet, God said, but you will. Now, he still could have said no and lost blessing and favor and all of the rest, but sometimes we feel in that moment as though we, <laughs> we really, really have a choice. Even though we have the choice, if we choose not to do the thing God's called us to, don't expect favor the rest of your life. <laughs> Well, God, I'll just say sorry about this later and we'll be fine, right? God is good, but he made us with purpose and a plan. He wants to see us succeed in the things that aren't just about you. It's going to bring and unlock something amazing for someone else. Are you still with me, church? Okay. There are three people with me. That's good. I'll keep preaching those three. You really lean in here. Number four. Number four, Christmas is about fulfillment. Fulfillment, Matthew 122, right? It says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. This is coming out of Isaiah. So when the scripture is quoting itself, see how there's a quote within the quote? It's literally, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So when Jesus is born, not only is he confirming what's happening right here in Matthew, he's also fulfilling what was spoken of all those years earlier in Isaiah. 
right? And so it's about bringing fulfillment. Jesus was to bring the fulfillment of over 300 plus prophecies God's word declared. So Christmas still looks to bring fulfillment to our lives and in all of our lives. Jesus becoming present and being our present or gift, right, unlocks a fulfillment we could never have otherwise. He understood that we, having him near, would have a different level of empowerment. And that's why Jesus said, hey, you'll do even greater things than I did. Not because we're greater than Jesus, but because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God has called on our life. And we're going to live in a day and an age where I can live stream across the ocean and speak to 10,000 people in a park on a big screen and share the gospel of Jesus with them. And guess what? It had nothing to do with me. It was what God was doing. I was just willing. And that's what God wants in your life. He just wants you to be willing. Christmas is about fulfillment. God's desire to have relationship is to bring a level of fulfillment that we could not have had. It would not have happened without presence and proximity. That's why Emmanuel, God with us, not the God of us, but the one that drew near, and the fact that he was with us and is with us, yes? So it doesn't mean life will always be perfect, but that we will always have him to face life with. And as I wrap up, number five, Christmas is about acceptance and declaration. Acceptance and declaration. Joseph was in a place of confusion. Again, as much of the world is, we said this, Joseph was trying to figure out what to do with the baby that was not his, right? Wasn't me. But God showed him the bigger picture and he accepted that plan for his life. That plan, I, I remember growing up as a pastor's kid, never wanting to be a pastor. I loved God. I was willing to do what God wanted me to do except pastor because I saw that that wasn't always fun. I saw that that left a lot of scars in the back. I saw a lot of things that I wish I hadn't seen based on just really sheep that bite. There's no other way to put it. But what I do know is that when I said yes to God, as much as I thought I was going to have all of these, you know, small, fine print things with God, God just took my yes and was going to provide me the thing he had for me, regardless of what I thought about the thing. And so all these years later, later I realized, you know, pastoring fits like a glove. <laughs> but oftentimes the thing God offers us, we think that we're not good enough for, or we think we can't do, and that's the humility that he expects so that we have to draw him in to help us do it. If the thing that you feel called to do, you feel completely equipped to do, it's too small for you. Because if you can do it alone, you are thinking way too small for your life. God has a plan so much bigger than what you can accomplish alone. And in fact, his plan and call for your life has to require him. That's why he gave it to you so that you would have a tight relationship with him. It's, it's not just about God's call, though. It's about whether we're going to accept it. Again, in Matthew 20, uh, 1, 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He accepted it, right? And he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave the name Jesus. What does that mean? 
Not only did he accept the thing God called him to, he declared it. He gave it a name. Oftentimes, we're willing to say yes to God as long as we don't have to make any public declaration of faith. We're willing to say, yeah, God, I want all of your benefits, but this is as far as I'll go. And God, one thing you need to understand about God, it's all or nothing to him. It's all or nothing. We're not going to have a, a, a sidebar agreements with God so that it fits our lifestyle so that we can keep doing the things we know God doesn't want us to do. That doesn't work that way. It's an acceptance and a declaration. Christmas is still just as much about us considering God and his plan for our life and choosing to accept it. It really will be the best thing you could ever do. So many of us here have already done it. But more than accepting it, choosing to declare that name. To declare the name of Jesus over your life, over your family, over your situation and your circumstance. Joseph accepted God's plan and his declaration to that acceptance was that he would take the name God declared and would also declare it by obediently giving him the name Jesus. How many of us would say, fine, God, I'll raise him, but that is Joseph Jr. I don't want anyone else to know that it wasn't my baby. I don't want anyone else to know the things that you're requiring because I feel like that's too much. No, God says, this is the plan. And this Christmas, will you accept and declare what God has plans rather than try and manipulate God to do what you want? We can't accept God's plan without proclaiming the name of Jesus. Jesus translates literally to the Lord saves. And we cannot be saved if we do not declare it is the Lord who saves. And that is Jesus. There's one name above every other name. Acts 4.11 says, Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. What are we talking about? We're talking about all of the, uh, the religious leaders. They rejected Jesus, but literally he was the one that God was building the whole thing from. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. What are we saying? Christmas is all about Jesus. It's why we sing about that holy night, a perfectly silent night that gave way to a manger and Jesus' perfect solo, which led to the crescendo of angels singing and joy to the whole world. It's all because of Jesus. And Jesus is more than the reason for the season. He's the reason for salvation. So Christmas should always bring us back to that moment. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Christmas is about who Jesus is. He's the son of God. What he came for, he came to bring salvation. And who he is to you. Have you decided to make Jesus your personal savior? Because it has to be your decision. Today, you must decide who Jesus is to you because no one is riding their parents or their grandparents' coats into heaven. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.